electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends, I'm just trying to make you some money. My job, not just to educate, but to teach, tell you about how days like day come about. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. All right, what happens? What happens if I have a monster rally and no one even knows how it happened? I mean, can't be interest rates. They went higher today. Can't be earnings. Oh, we had some monumental blow-ups in technology. Can't be the dollar headed in the wrong direction. But the market word anyway. With the Dow surging 828.52 points, S&P soaring 2.46%, and the Nasdaq pole voting 2.87%. Whoa, you know what? House of pleasure. I think there's a growing recognition this is what's really doing. It's none of those those little niggling things. I think there's growing recognition that the Fed's aggressive rate hikes are finally working. They're paying off. Jay Powell's winning the show. Business is slowing everywhere. Housing, autos, data centers, retail. Prices are coming down for your house. We're seeing layoffs all over the place. You might think these are all negatives, but we're in a bad news is good news moment because the Fed needs to see bad news before they'll take their jackboots off our necks. Stocks are rallying because Wall Street finally believes we're getting closer to the end of this nasty tightening cycle. That's why I have told you from the beginning to stay the course, because I wanted you to be able to capture these short moments, these ones where it all occurs, just like this. You might assume it's easy to know when these tightening cycles are over, so you can get right back in when they happen, especially when you're someone who, like me, has been through a number of them. You figure, like, okay, today's the day. In reality, though, it is a total darkest before the dawn situation. You have to ask yourself, what would the darkest moment look like long before that moment occurs? This time, the darkest moment's looking like the collapse of the big tech behemoths. 
And that's exactly what happened this week. You got a growing coalition of weaker macro numbers, along with the comeuppance of the once invis- uh, invincible Microsoft, Alphabet, Amazon, not to mention the total annihilation of meta platforms. The timing certainly feels right for the end of the Fed rate hike cycle after that, doesn't it? We have the Fed meeting next Wednesday, which when we fully expect them to raise rates by another 75 basis points, that would be a sign that the Fed means business. Oh, we want them to do that. We want the means business thing. But then I think the Fed will have to say, you know what? We're going to have to wait and see. And but you know what? by the way, they won't have to wait and see long. You know why? Because on Friday, we have the non-farm payroll reports. You know, I think that's the most important number each month. And I bet it will show, yes, demonstrably weaker numbers than anyone expects. Why are so many people buying stocks ahead of time rather than waiting for this to play out, play a little safer? Simple. You can't dally. History says it doesn't work. History says if you wait for the all-clear signal, you will be too late. And you'll miss not some of the move. But the bulk of the move. Instead, you have to wait until the last remaining members of the market's old leadership get cut down. And that's your chance. The window opened when Meta got clocked yesterday. And it'll close next Friday when we get those employment numbers, especially if they're weak, which will be the sign that the Fed can stop tightening or at least tighten less aggressively. I know this is a lot to get your head around, but it may be one, and it could be one giant false alarm. But in my experience, what you saw this week is exactly the way it has played out for every Fed tightening cycle I have been involved in since 1982. I think the actual darkest moment was this very morning when Apple was bleeding, lying all over the floor. Amazon bent, spindled, mutilated in the corner. Thrashings came right on top of Microsoft's meltdown. Alphabet's transformation into a boring cyclical business, fully hostage to traditional advertising like some sort of fish wrap evening newspaper. And Meta going completely rogue on us with Mark Zuckerberg's leadership finally taking what I can only describe as a distinctly Nixonian turn. Uh, Nixon was bad. These are the stocks that led the market's rise from the great the ashes of the Great Recession, and they collapsed all at once. You simply can't get a new business cycle, a new expansion with new leaders until the old leaders have been taken out and give me a St. Valentine's Day master firing squad. Veteran investors see all these pieces falling into place, and they decide to bet the Fed will declare victory because they've seen this story before. I've seen this story before. I've seen it before. And that's why I'm telling it to you. Of course, that doesn't mean that we need to abandon individual stock picking. That's wrong. It does mean that we need to stay true to form, though. For example, on Monday, NXP Semiconductors reports they've got a ton of auto business. Now, what do we want to say? We want to say, wow, business is great. Can't wait. No! They need to tell us that business has slowed, in some cases dramatically, and that their forecast has to be cut because, of course, bad news is good news from the Fed's perspective. Tuesday morning, new leadership, Eli Lilly. And in this market, the healthcare stocks are kings because that's what you buy when the economy slows down. Lilly now has a chance to show it's how it can shine with a fabulous diabetes drug. I want them to keep expectations low, though, and I bet they'll do that. They're really good at that. They're really good. I like that company. 
Now we're going to get results from Uber. And again, we need some real bad news here. Something like Uber has economic sensitivity. What does the Fed want to hear? Well, they want to say, you know what? After a long time of not being able to pay enough drivers, now we have too many drivers. They're everywhere, but now we don't have any passengers. They can't afford it. That's what you want to hear. They want to hear about cash-strapped consumers not being able to afford Ubers so that, therefore, Uber has to cut their forecast. Hey, listen, don't shoot the messenger. That's what the Fed wants. On the other side of the spectrum, we've got Devon Energy, which is doing incredibly well and pays a great dividend. But you don't want to buy the oils when the economy is weakening. This group will now be under pressure because of the worldwide slowdown. We've pulled back for some of the oils for the Chapel Trust. And you can find this stuff, as you know, by joining the investing club if you want to know more. We still like them. We still own them. But we're no longer big in them. Why? Because we're in a deflationary environment now and they don't fit. Now, AMD reports... But there won't be that many revelations. Why? Because they already pre-announced the numbers. That said, I'd like to know if Intel CEO Pat Gelsinger was right when he talked about how he was destroying the competition around him. They were taking share. Didn't really mention AMD by name, but management to look bad. Remember, Pat Gelsinger is no longer as nice as he used to, which is why I like him more. Everything Wednesday will be drowned out by the Fed, which is too bad because we have some very attractive companies reporting. Two big healthcare plays, Humana, okay, my healthcare provider, and CVS, which has been going down, not up of late. I think they both have good stories. CVS stock has pulled back rather harshly, though. I fear that CVS is considered a COVID play. Humana is a post-COVID darling. I still think some of the semis may need to implode if this rally is going to continue. And that may include Qualcomm, QCOM, which makes cell phone chips. Although given how far the stock's already fallen, the fact that it sells at only nine times earnings, I wouldn't be surprised to get this. I mean, it's going to be a shock yet. I would be surprised if you actually got a guidance cut and the stock went up $5.38. <laughs> I like to be precise. Thursday, Starbucks reports, and I think it can be a surprise to the upside because it's one of the few companies in the world that's been able to thrive in China during their lockdown phase. Made in China for China. Numbers are strong here, and I think the new management will come out of the gate hot. It's how hot? How about hot as taking a triple vente cappuccino with skim wet and throw it in your face? That's hot. We'll also hear from the new economy stocks like PayPal and DoorDash. I think PayPal has a chance to regroup here as their flagging days have probably ended. DoorDash, though, is inviting skepticism. Why? Because people now love going out, and they don't need all their food delivered. DoorDash takes a big chunk of it, by the way. Not the food, the money. Finally, again, we'll be totally informed with the uh, non-farm payroll report, so let me be very specific about what we're looking for. Stable wages. We're not going to see a decline in wages. It's too early. You need to see them stabilize. But we're going to need some layoffs in hot industries, particularly in Silicon Valley. You can't get a reduction in wages until you see many people losing their jobs. But that's what the Fed wants to see. Are the, is the Fed a bunch of heartless Grinches? Nah, Chase actually trying to do his job and doing it right. And he's winning. And by the way, when this is over, everybody who made fun of him during this period is going to get a very nasty letter from me. The bottom line, this market's trading like next week. We'll see some real signs that the Fed's winning. It's war on inflation, and they can therefore ease up on the rate hikes going forward. And with the bear turning one-year-old this month, I wouldn't be surprised at all if the market got it exactly right. I want to go to David in Connecticut. David! Hey, Jim. 
I am a longtime fan, and I'm also a club member, and I'm also a yes. Mets fan. So I'm very, very jealous that no. your Phillies made it. <laughs> don't be no jealousy does not become you. No, I don't like that <laughs> at all. And I know that David, one day we'll go to a game together and we'll have a dynamite time. What's happening? Absolutely. Okay, so I know we're focused on companies that make things and make profits, and I'm on board with that. I do still have a small position in Upstart Holdings. I've been selling it into strength, but still have some left. I'm wondering, is it worth holding on to or just sell it all at a loss? Uh, no, look, it's down 84% for the year. That's pretty, that's pretty punitive. 84%. So my take is this. I think you probably make a couple of shackles for this thing then rolls over again. All right. This market's trading like next week. We'll see some real signs that the Fed is winning its border inflation, as I told you they would, because they always do. And I wouldn't be surprised if the market's got it right this time. Hey, oh, man, money tonight. Do you know what we have Pinterest on? This stock soared today after earnings. So could this just be the beginning of a move for the social media stock? I actually think it will be. Let's check with the CEO. Then does Columbia Sportswear have what it takes to dress your portfolio for success going into the holiday season? And it's Sorrel. Don't miss my exclusive. And the home builders are caught in the middle of the fence tightening. What do you do here? Why don't we check in with Taylor Morrison home and find out? I'm going to talk to top brass of the company. You know what? And stay with... Kramer! Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand. NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visible 
visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Believe it or not, there's one publicly traded social media stock that's actually doing well here, despite the carnage and snap in meta platforms. Hey, I, I, that used to be called Facebook. I'm talking about Pinterest, the virtual pinboard and social networking platform, which saw its stock jump nearly 14% today after reporting a terrific quarter last night. Not only did Pinterest deliver a nice top and bottom line beat, their monthly active user numbers managed to grow again for the first time in ages. Plus, they gave solid guidance for the current quarter. Of course, they still take a huge hit since the pandemic started winding down. But this is a great result for the first quarter under new CEO Bill Reddy. So how do they pull it off in such a tough environment? Let's go directly to the source with Bill Reddy, the CEO of Pinterest, to get a better sense of the quarter and where his company's headed. Mr. Reddy, welcome back to Mad Money. Thanks, Jim. Great to be here with you. I've got to tell you, when I look at things, Bill, on the surface, some people might say, oh, well, there's nothing really special here. What the MAUs are kind of the same. What I see is this, a re-energized company where you have even have companies that are like consumer packaged good companies that I thought were leaving you are back and customers take looking to book trips through you and people literally saying this is a one stop destination, not where I begin and then go elsewhere. These all seem to be playing out at once for you. Is it going the way you said it would be when I talked to you last? Yeah, Jim, these are exactly the things that, that you and I spoke about uh, when I was coming into the company. Uh, you know, as I was joining, uh, I saw a number of things that I felt were really unique about Pinterest as a platform. Uh, one that you just touched on is just the full funnel nature of what the platform is, both for users and for advertisers. If I step back from that, though, I would say, you know, as a, as a visual discovery uh, platform, you know, it's, it's a place that has three really unique attributes. One is that it's a positive platform. It's not a place where people are going to shout about their politics. It's not the town square. It's a place where people are going to feel uplifted. It's a place where people are going uh, to feel inspired, which really gets to the second point, which is it's also a place where people have intent and purpose. It's not a lean back entertainment platform. It's a place where people are there with an intent, whether it's to make or to do or to buy. And then the third thing that's really unique is that there's a tremendous amount of human curation that happens on the platform. So when Pinterest makes a recommendation about what a great outfit looks like, we're able to do that because hundreds of millions of pinners come to Pinterest and tell us which dresses go with which shoes, go with which handbags, or how to put together a room in a certain aesthetic. These are really unique attributes of the platform. As we're leaning more and more into those, you're really seeing that start to come through both in the user engagement and on the revenue side with advertisers. Well, I, I think this is great. Let's talk about the latter. Uh, using example, everybody knows. knows uh, Kohl's, you cited them as an example in the deck of, uh, of a, a new way that I never thought Kohl's would be back in, be interested at all in what you're doing. And yet it's, I think, a good example of what's occurring. Yeah. So, you know, exactly right. And so the full funnel nature of what we're doing, you know, we're meeting users both at the upper funnel discovery end of things, but users have intent and purpose. They're shopping and they have an intent. They, they know generally what they're looking for. They haven't decided what to buy yet. And that's a really magic moment for an advertiser to meet a user. And so as you look across those upper, mid, and lower funnel objectives on our platform, the statement of it's a full funnel platform isn't just rhetoric. 
our revenue actually splits a third, a third, a third across upper, mid, and lower funnel. And so as advertisers are having to get really focused on ROI, but they don't want to just run to last click and lose their brand story, we're a place where they can tell that brand story, get ROI, and drive all the way through to the bottom of the funnel. And our bottom of the funnel is strengthening. Historically, they've been a weak spot for the platform. Right. And it's a place where we're really focused on making that a lot stronger. Oh, okay, so let's take it to the next level. Uh, uh, I run an agro-tourism business in Italy. And I want the best, most thoughtful customers to visit my website and book wherever they are to my website without necessarily having to go through a middle person. The kind of people I want are people who are pinners. I don't want, I frankly don't want the people who are my mentioners on Twitter, let me tell you that much. But there, does, there does, you don't offer me that value proposition yet. Will that be something that I can expect? A really cool place that people want to look into, and then sure enough, there's a place that I can rent right there. Not have to go to Airbnb, not have to go to, to, um, to Bravo. I just stay at Pinterest. Yeah, so it's a great question, Jim. You know, we're, we're not a marketplace, but we do think we can connect a lot of consumer demand to the places that satisfy that demand. And as you just touched on, you know, shopping's a, a really big vertical for us, but we're really seeing good progress in other nascent verticals like travel and financial services and autos. And so we think that we've got a great ability to do more to take the really great inspiration and intent that happens on our platform and drive that all the way through to satisfaction of that intent, taking that intent to action and doing it across multiple verticals. So shopping is the place where you're seeing, uh, you know, a lot of focus from us right now. Uh, shopping ad revenue is up 50% uh, for us. Uh, conversions, attributed conversions up 20%. Uh, so you're seeing really good traction from us on that, but we think that can drive through to other verticals. But importantly, we're not a retailer, we're not a marketplace, we're really, committed to helping retailers and marketplaces succeed, driving that traffic through to them in really high quality handoffs, whether it's a mobile deep link or an embedded checkout on our site, we're a full partner to those retailers and marketplaces so that they can fully engage here, know they can meet users here, but also know they're going to gain a user, not just a transaction. And that's what everybody wants. I'm so, so In this day and age, I am always shocked to hear people think that everything has to be transactional. We're not looking for that at all. That's why Etsy works. It's anti-transactional. How about video? People are liking your videos. Yeah, that's a, it's a great one as well, Jim. You know, we, we talked about uh, our you know video consumption on the platforms uh, now north of ten percent on the platform. Our video content is up three times, uh, and so we're really finding good progress on video. Additionally, I'd say we've really refined our approach on content overall as we've learned more about what videos work well for users. And as I talked about the differences in our platform in terms of being a positive place, having intent, we see that on the creator side of things as well. Creators are you know, a, a core pillar of our content strategy and they're finding a different way to engage here as well in that they like that it's a positive place. They like that it's a place that they're not getting shouted down. They also like that it's a place with intent and that they can engage in different ways with users. They're not just on the treadmill for the next view, the next video that's going to be transient. They can actually make content that satisfies intent, that creates longer duration engagement with users and has more intent that drives through the way that creators are going to monetize, whether that's their affiliate links or their blog posts. And so there's a different way that creators can engage here. So we've really made good progress on that, as well as broadening the aperture into additional ways to bring video in, like publishing partners uh, and other user-generated content. So we've really broadened out the content strategy, but 
through understanding of the kinds of video that works well on Pinterest, which is really video that helps to satisfy an intent, which really further differentiates us versus other platforms that are more entertainment-based or lean back, we're right. a lean forward platform where video matters, but it's a different kind of video. Well, I think it's working. I think it was obvious from the way the stock acted it's working. And I think this actually really is the first inning. Many are in the eighth and ninth. It's good to see someone in the first. That's Bill Reddy. He's the CEO of Pinterest. I like this stock. Mad Money's back after the break. Coming up, embrace the great outdoors and look good doing it. Kramer shreds the slopes with Columbia Sportswear. Next. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. This has been a rough year for all things apparel, but a funny thing happened last night. Columbia Sportswear, which you might also know as Sorel, Prada, or Mountain Hardware, reported a surprisingly excellent quarter. came as a real surprise, especially because they had cut their full-year forecast in July, never to be more conservative. Yet when Columbia reported last night, they delivered record sales up 19% year-over-year, 13-cent earnings basis beat off a $1.67 basis. While they didn't raise their full-year guidance, i got to wonder if that's just because it would be a little more cautious going into the winter. Stock jumped nearly 5% today, and so I have to ask, could it have more upside? Let's take a close look with Tim Boyle. He's the chairman and CEO of Columbia Sportswear. Find out more about the quarter and outlook for the future. Mr. Boyle, welcome back to Mad Money. Hey, great, great to see you again, Jim, and thanks for having me back on. Well, i got to tell you, Tim, Tim, I've not really heard you this excited about your lineup. And when you start talking about Sorrell as a billion-dollar brand, I think there are a lot of people out there, particularly some women who watch the show, who say, yeah, I think that is going to be a big one. That was an extraordinarily strong Sorrell quarter. What's behind it? Well, there's a number of things. A little bit of timing, but frankly, the business is so good, and we've been just very excited. We're not a billion dollars yet, but we're well on our way. And the opportunity, frankly, is there. You know, women's footwear, and, and Sorrel today is around 85% women's footwear and about 80% non-winter. So, you know, the real key for us was taking a brand which was known as men's work and winter and converting it into a fashion first female brand is, is really, that's the revolution with this business. And, um, 
you know, I've been saying for years that footwear should be our, our single biggest product category. And, and with Sorel and frankly, with Columbia as well, we got real opportunity to make that happen. Now, when people saw that, I uh, you know, inventories were up 47 percent year over year. I, I this is sometimes is courting uh, glibness. But I will say that when I look at your product, I see a lot of evergreen. I see a lot of things that at the end of the year, they don't have to go. They're not trash. They're built to last. Sorel, but also, of course, your uh, your technical wear. So if I see 47% inventory, I don't really have to be as worried as I would be with another apparel company. No, you know, Jim, um, we consider, uh, listen, we, we know we have too much inventory. And much of it was due to these logistic issues, which are, which are sustaining throughout the rest of this year and probably likely a bit into next year. But we've got a balance sheet, which is very enviable. It's a fortress balance sheet. And we can use that to to carry inventory in a patient way. It's not different inventory that we would otherwise be buying. We'll just carry it over, we'll sell it again next year, and, we, and if we need to, we'll, we'll liquidate this stuff through our own chain of retail stores, our outlet stores, and frankly, it'll be much more profitable than if we, if we panicked or had to panic to, get, to create liquidity. Yeah, which uh, some actually very large company in your industry that I respected for a great deal. I'm not going to mention them right now. It's really caught in that spiral down. And that spiral down is almost impossible to break, Tim, as you know. Now, let me ask you, you are always doing some very exciting advertising. Jalen Hurts, I wish I could say he's my friend. I'm wearing his shirt on Sunday. Uh, And then Dude Perfect, Jimmy Kimmel. Who's coming up with these ideas? Because this is the way you reach young people, not through some sort of old Google or Amazon ad. Those aren't working anymore. Yeah, we don't advertise in Wall Street Journal anymore. But uh, the folks who, who are buying our product are really keyed into these different individuals who are, are really a big part of what we're doing. And that's our new marketing director, Pre Shoemate, who's helped us to get our business back online, back exciting for young people. And then Sorrell, frankly, is is almost like a, a cope business that where that's been growing rapidly without the need for a lot of um, focus and, and marketing. Now, how about the, the uh, Omni Heat in, in Infinity? We've got that in front of us. Now, from the actual look of it, people can't tell how exciting this is. So maybe you can give us a little more of a, uh, uh, some of the vernacular of why it's working so well. Sure. Well, w- w- this was the, uh, the next generation from our very popular Omni Heat Reflective, which covered, uh, which we've sold about a billion dollars worth since we uh, entered that business or or launched that product about 10 years ago. This is the next generation. It's a different color because we want um, consumers to know the difference between OmniHeat and OmniHeat Infinity. OmniHeat Infinity is much warmer. The coverage on the the fabric is 60% against 40% for OmniHeat. So much better reflection much better coverage, and a really a highly technical garment that people recognize immediately when they see the color. Okay, I see what's going on here. So, Tim, tell me, I, I've been trying to gauge what people are really doing post-COVID. I, we know that during COVID, people like to go outdoors. They like to be where they felt they couldn't get COVID. Of course, they like to hike and camp. Uh, did anyone, are people sticking with that? How many people decided to go back to the way it used to be? And how many people have adopted your, your high-quality product and, and stayed in the backwoods? Well, I think, you know, more than just the backwoods, people realized how exciting outside can be. And even as the, um, as the pandemic waned, 
waned over the last several months. We still had very high visitations to the national parks. We still have people going outside playing golf. Skiing is coming up. I think people realized how much fun the outdoors is, and, and they're recognizing that they can be safe. And, and frankly, it's a, it's a way to take their families on a, a real experiential trip and not cost a ton of money. All right. Uh, lastly, I just want to know what, what your things are with China. Uh, at one point, I thought that China was just, was just going to be a fantastic market for you. Then we're back and forth with our, our country in China. Uh, what do you think in terms of growth? Well, you know, we've talked about China being our largest geographic opportunity. And I think that's, um, while I still believe that, because we'd underperformed in China, as you right. know. We were very strong there several years ago. We let ourselves get lost. And now we're back with a new team and we're growing there. But we get concerned about the level of opportunity when we have so many closures, uh, which are really unprecedented. And, and we'll see what, what happens. There's some rumors that that uh, the new premier, the premier might allow um, that kind of severe uh, treatment of the COVID virus to be uh, somewhat moderated. But it's still difficult to plan a business when the whole cities, large cities may be shut right. down. So, you know, we're, we're taking a uh, wait and see opportunity. On All right. Well, look, right. the fortunate thing is that it won't need you don't need China to keep making and beat the numbers. I want to thank Tim Boyle. The stuff's more beautiful than ever. President, chairman, CEO of Columbia Sports. We're sorry. Have a great weekend. Glad you came on Mad Money. Thanks, Jim. Okay. We're back. Coming up. Rocketing mortgage rates are making the dream of home ownership impossible for untold numbers. But how is it impacting this company? Find out next. All year, the market's been crushed by worries about a Fed-mandated recession. But in the last few weeks, it's been trading like the Fed might finally signaling that it's willing to ease up on the rate hikes as we head into the end of the year. Now, I think that's a little optimistic, but if the market's right, there are sure tons of groups that will suddenly become more attractive, groups like the home builders. Take Taylor Morrison Homes. It operates across the southeast, west, Sunbelt, Oregon on Wednesday, cut reported mixed quarter. Lower net sales orders, lower net order prices, um, higher cancellations. We can expect it backlog, but they're selling a ton of homes. All right. That sounds pretty bad the way I just described it. But remember, the Federal Reserve is tightening because they want to stamp out inflation. And you know what? They really are gunning for home home builders. And I think that's a shame because these companies provide a lot of value to you as a home buyer. These numbers from Taylor Morrison, coupled with the weaker case shiller data from earlier this week, suggest the Fed might finally be willing to make, let's just say, declare victory. That's what we really want. And once the Fed slows the pace of its rate hikes, then home builders can make a comeback, as they always have. Maybe that's why the stock didn't get particularly hit on the wake of the fact that some people thought the numbers were disappointing. Let's take a closer look with Cheryl Palmer, the chairman and CEO of Taylor Morrison Home Corp. Learn more. Ms. Palmer, welcome back to Mad Money. Well, thank you so much. So good to see you and be here again. All right, so Cheryl, give me the state of things here, because you know your homes are uh, offer great value. And it is obvious to me that the Federal Reserve has decided that home prices in general have gone up too much over the last couple of years. If I were to go buy one of your homes, say, in California or Florida, would I be paying substantially more than I would have two years ago? Yeah, that's true, Jim. You absolutely would. I mean, prices have moved over, let's call it the last 24, 30 months, probably 25, 30 
percent across the country. Now, we've seen some of that come back over the last few months. But I think it's not just the prices, Jim. You said it very well in your opening. It's the combination of the prices and mortgage rates, interest rates being, you know, 3% um, at the beginning of the year. And um, this week, they're well, you know, they're in the sevens. Well, at the same time, I mean, it's not like you're sitting there. uh, Look, you have good gross margins. But cost, labor's going up, all the different parts of the house going up. These are things that you cannot control. How much of what has gone up in a house is actually to you reasonable, given the fact that material costs have gone up and it's harder to find people who uh, to work? Oh, Jim, you're, you're spot on again. I mean, we have seen tremendous cost pressures over the last two years. And I would tell you that's both on the labor side as well as the material side. I mean, we can just talk about lumber, Jim, right? We've seen prices. We saw costs of lumber last year, you know, go up four times uh, what they are today. Well, but one thing that I don't understand is, is that labor in, in particular, I think, is a problem. The Fed can't create people. I mean, don't you have to destroy the economy to some degree in order to make it so so many people are tossed out of work so that then then you can find labor not expensive? I mean, sometimes it is a little counter counterintuitive the way they have to do this. Well, I think the Fed has had a lot of resolve about just that. He's been very clear that he's going to break the back of inflation and he's really going to break it in home prices. And we've seen what's happened to interest rates. If you think about where we are with interest rates, even compared to what we're seeing in the market, it just it doesn't make sense. Historically, we've seen interest rates move about 40 percent of what the Fed has done. But if you look at what the Fed's done over the last few months, you look at interest rates, instead of being 40 percent of that movement, it's you know over two times. But you, you've got surprisingly low cancellation rate historically. And I bet a lot of your buyers are paying with cash. I mean, there's not much. The, the Fed's job is not to make us poor, poorer. It's to keep price stable, have price stabilization. But there is a lot of wealth in the country. I don't think that you're having that hard a time selling homes at your company. Well, as you said, there's quite a bit of demand still out there. And, you know, I think we have two things we're trying to solve right now, Jim. One is affordability. And I think our sales and certainly our cancellations, and we can talk about that because the team's done an amazing job. Our cancellations are really industry low. Um, But we're trying to solve affordability for those first-time buyers because they really don't have any levers to pull. They don't have equity coming out of their existing home. They don't have extra dollars in their savings account. So for them, this is a very difficult environment. When we look at the rest of our customers and we look at our move up and our our um, resort lifestyle customers, they absolutely can still afford to buy. But emotionally, you know, you need to have the confidence. We've talked about, Jim, for the last couple of years, the room that our customers have in their ability to purchase based on interest rates. And even today, at today's rates, both our FHA and our conventional buyers have a great deal of room, but being able to afford it doesn't mean they have the, the confidence given everything that's going on in the economy today. If we can just get some normalcy and I think visibility of the Fed and when he slows down instead of it's going to be 75, 75, 75, I think we'll see this change quite a bit. 
Would you think that it would be better if you just paced them out? If it didn't, we didn't have a cool inflation, maybe a, a come back in just in uh, say just uh, January, come back maybe March, because the pace of this, you know, you and I both know the pace of this is so unprecedented that it's really just making so that everybody's nervous, everybody's gun shy in this country right now. I think that's right. Um, you know, there's part of me, Jim, that says just rip the bandaid off and get right. it done, and. You know, so there's something to be said because then we can start repairing, right? And the consumer can know what they have. But if I look at earlier in the week when, you know, getting a 7% interest rate might have cost you two points, and today that might be six and three quarters, that's just unprecedented movement. So I think some normalcy, stability will help the consumer quite a bit. You know, who knows? I think the range of what could happen is quite quite large out there. But I think most believe that we'll get through most of this this year and that at some point next year, you know, we'll pull back a bit and rates hopefully settle back into the fives. And you and I both know that 5% from a long-term is still a beautiful rate. And I think, you know, I look at what we're locking our customers at today. Um, You know, when we look at what we locked our whole backlog where we were at the end of the quarter, Jim, you know, our... FHA buyers were locked at 5.3. Our conventional buyers were locked at 5.6. Okay. So we can assist our buyers to get to some level of normalcy. Well, we get it to normalcy. I think that everything will be fine. You won't sell two and a half times earnings anymore, which is, quite frankly, ridiculous. Cheryl Palmer, chairman and CEO. It is ridiculous. <laughs> Cheryl Palmer, chairman and CEO of yeah. Taylor Morrison. Cheryl, it's great to have you back on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you. Good to see you. Mad Money's back after the break. Coming up, Kramer takes your calls, and the sky is the limit. It's a fast-fire lightning round next. It is time. It's time for the lightning round. We're going to call us one of the entertainment team. You're in your play and then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski dad, time to light round cameras. I'm going to start with Maurice in Tennessee. Maurice. Good afternoon, Jim. I got him on the fence right now. I'm on the fence with CHRW. Get off the fence and sell. We don't need any more of these logistics companies. There are a dime a dozen. They should all get together and become one giant logistics company. Uh, yeah. Let's go to Corey in Florida, please. Corey. Corey, uh, Jim. Uh, Jim, I was calling to see about uh, EQT Corp. Uh, just uh, wanted to know what your take was on that. I and, actually uh, sat to see them recently on TV. Equitable. It makes, a huge, it makes a ton of money. It could use a little beneficiary. It could use a little pipeline or two. But the White House doesn't seem to like those that much. Nevertheless, I'm going bullish because I believe in natural gas. How about we go to Andrew in my home state, New Jersey. Andrew. Hey, Tim. How you doing? Greetings from Somerset, Franklin Township. I know you were here just not too long ago. So, yeah, hey, I'm glad you, uh, you know, being the way the year has been, I've kind of dumped off a good portion of my tech, and I decided to go with kind of a Hail Mary, and I decided to go with Frontier Holdings. I bought a nine, 9.5 ULCC. And I'm just wondering how long you'd hold it for. It's never seen past 22, but it's doing okay now. Well, you know, this is a company that actually paid you when you were, when and things were bad, they paid you to fly. I always love that aspect. Don't really understand that business model. But I will say this. 
These guys have stuck with it. They made it through. And I'm not going to go against an airline when people seem to want to travel more than they want to talk with people. So let's stay with it. I want to go to Adam in Oregon. Oregon. Adam. Mr. Kramer, you old goat. Yes. I love your show. What? Oh, thank you very much. What's up? Play for you. Listen, is this stock going Mel Brooks baseball or Mel Gibson beyond the Thunderdome? Give me the mad money, mad max on Camping World Holding. Thank you, Jim. Hey, uh, let's see. Two in or only one leaves, and the one that leaves is a buyer of Camping World. Yes! Too cheap. Have to own it. And then, can we have one more, please? Because I'm really in the I'm in, I'm in that mode of taking many stocks. I'm going to go to Rick in California, please. Rick! Booyah, Jim. Booyah, Rick. Jim, I got to tell you, after eight years of grammar school, four years of high school, four years of college, and being blessed with two wonderful mentors when I was young, you, sir, are the best teacher I've ever had. Holy cow. Well, thank you very much, man. I, thank you. It's always good to hear that. I've been, you know, got been all thrashed around lately by some companies. But what's going on? Would you please share your thoughts on Ameriprise Financial? Ameriprise, very good company. Very strong company. I would buy it here, and I thank you for those kind comments. And that, ladies and gentlemen, conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, Kramer faces the facts head on to make you a better investor. Classes in session next. It's a pandemic, stupid. As the post-pandemic period continues to unfold, it's become increasingly clear that many companies just made very different decisions about the pandemic. And some of them, well, they were just plain wrong. Even if they were made by the smartest people in business. Take Amazon, a longtime Kramer fave and a stock that's made my charitable trust fortunes over the years. During the pandemic, though, Amazon hired more than 800,000 people. They had to, had to in order to keep up with all the excess demand. They are a customer-centric organization, which means they needed every soul they could find to, to get that product to you when you were locked down. Now, I wasn't in the Amazon boardroom when these hiring decisions were made. Those decisions would look brilliant if we were still in lockdown mode. They'd be pretty money and crushing every other retailer in the business. But the moment nearly everybody got vaccinated and the pandemic more or less ran its course, Amazon suddenly had a real problem in its hands. They can't just wave a magic wand and fire 800,000 people. It doesn't work like that. Unfortunately, that's the only way Amazon can get its costs in line with its decelerating revenues, which is why no one liked their earnings. Now, I don't want to abandon Amazon for the trust. I think it has many good years of growth ahead of it long term. But the company needs to do something that so many younger tech firms seem to struggle with. It needs to fire people ruthlessly. As someone who's been fired and also done a lot of firing, too much firing, it's a nightmare. Amazon doesn't have a choice, though. They need to make these layoffs before we get too close to Christmas. And look, Amazon's not alone. So many companies misjudge our collective psyche post-COVID. Can't blame them for getting it wrong because these are uncharted waters. But we have to start recognizing that consumer behavior has changed radically since we emerged from the pandemic. The companies that refuse to face this new reality are being punished here. They staffed up like COVID would last forever, and they're paying the price now that it's diminished. Many of the brick-and-mortar retailers, for instance, assumed that people were itching to go back to the mall or the shopping center as soon as we were jabbed a couple of times. Misjudgment. 
Hey, people want to go out, but they don't want to go to the mall. They will order online, but not at a level that can support all those Amazon hires. Plus, people aren't shifting from online to in-person shopping as much as they're shifting from buying goods to buying experiences. They're going places. They're doing things. Weddings, marriages, whatever. That's why you should stick with United Air, with Delta, with Disney. Three terrific travel places. The latter now being one of the largest positions in my entire charitable trust. How about the uh, work from home trip? Uh, on the way out, partner. Sure, there are plenty of people who will be pushing for remote work, especially younger people. But those are people who will struggle to get promoted because no one knows what they're doing. Maybe they're home playing Call of Duty. Or I don't know, like that Red Dead Redemption seems interesting. Management doesn't like remote work. And as Fed tightens, management's going to have a lot more bargaining power than they do right now. I say go with the companies that actually are mostly back to work because that's where the best productivity is. Companies like the Blessed Bags. They're terrific beneficiaries of the yield curve, too, where they take your deposits, they pay you next to nothing, (laughs) and then invest that money in high-yielding treasuries (laughs) risk-free. Banking joke. One last potential casualty, the automakers. They wanted to take advantage of the great migration for the cities and the suburbs of the country. Big trend at the height of the pandemic. Unfortunately, they couldn't get the cars made in time. They still lack the darn parts, not their fault. Demand's strong, but they just haven't capitalized on the era of post-COVID freedom because they don't have the inventory. That must change or the stocks will languish in place for the duration. And that would be a crime. I like to say... There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise I'll find just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you Monday. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.